0: You're listening to Rosie on the House.
1: It's 8 o'clock. It's Saturday morning. We are in the outdoor living hour here at Rosie on the House with Jay Harper of the Farms Choice. Fertilizers. Man, what a great time to fertilize.
0: You know, it's been... I, I actually can't remember... The last time we
1: had fall when we were supposed to have fall. <laughs> and It's usually sometime after Halloween. <laughs> usually. Maybe, yeah, maybe we're lucky maybe by Thanksgiving. By Thanksgiving. <laughs>
0: um, but, yeah, moisture in the ground. If you got fertilizer down before the rain, you're really golden. Um, if you haven't fed certain things that uh, maybe need a little help after a, wasn't a terribly long, hot summer, but, you know, things to recover. So we usually like to fertilize citrus and shade trees and those types of things to give them a little help getting through the winter and store up some nutrients come spring great time if you've got a winter lawn that is up a lot of them came up really quick with that people that timed it just you know not just before the rain but maybe a week or so before the rain and then the rain hit I mean there's those lawns just exploded out of the ground Make sure you probably mow a couple times before you fertilize those. Fall winter vegetable gardens are going in full steam ahead. Fall flowers, uh, you know, our chicken manure organic fertilizers are great for prepping and pre-planting flower beds, vegetable gardens. Um, you know, a whole bunch of farmers that use it when they pre-plant lettuce and spinach and all kinds of winter greens and can't be wrong, so it works pretty darn
1: good on your home garden. Um, great time to do it. Yes, absolutely. If you've got a question or you're working on something in your landscape or garden, it's one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. You can also text to 411-923 or send an email. If you've got a plant or insect you need help identifying, you can send that to info at Rosie on the House. Dot com with all this water when, when was the last time you watered your lawn?
0: Have I you turned tur- my lawn I turned my sprinklers off my whole irrigation system off before the first storm was forecast you know was forecast. So it was at like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I kind of lost track because we've had several. So so it's been then since I've watered anything, even pots. Things in containers haven't needed water, um, you know, in several weeks. And
1: you look out there and nothing looks wilted or weathered like it needs it yet.
0: No, the ground is still when it, you know, and when it gets down in the 50s or low 60s at night and only in the upper 70s to low 80s during the day, the soil uh, moisture hangs on a long time. Uh, Lawns are, you know, we're getting dew every morning on the lawns. It's wet. So yeah, even if you aren't overseeding a lawn, you can turn you you should have had the water off. And I've seen lots of sprinklers running, saw them running while it was raining, <laughs> which isn't abnormal. But this is the time we're going into the time of year now that people can really save on their water. This is when we really see overwatering, and we talk about overwatering. It's it's kind of hard to overwater when it's 105, hundred and five hundred and ten degrees. You can do it, but If you really want to make an impact on water savings going forward from October to about April, March, April is when you can really make hay. And if we have a wet enough winter, there's a potential that you don't need to water all winter long, depending on what, you know, on what kind of plantings you have and what you're doing. But uh, other than watering enough to get your winter ryegrass to, to germinate and establish, probably haven't needed to water anything should you know not probably you should you don't
1: you haven't had to did you plant a winter lawn i know you've done a lot of conversion <laughs> over to artificial turf my
0: front is artificial my back is still you know i'm going to keep regular grass and i have not done it yet i kind of made a vow this year and of course this was the year you should have put it in earlier <laughs> but the last you know 10 or 15 20 years it stayed warm so long i thought you know what i'm not even going to do it till the last weekend till halloween weekend I used to try and do the front yard so it was up and established by Halloween because kids walk across it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not an issue anymore. So the backyard I will do next weekend.
1: I always have a a plan, and it revolves around the kids' birthdays (laughs) because we like to do a lot of our parties outside and on the lawn. Right. We've got a. May birthday, so I try and keep the rye green until okay uh, yep. past, I remember that. past the birthday, and then we've got another birthday in September, so we try and make sure we've got. Mm-hmm. You know, we we don't shut the water off to the Bermuda too early. Yeah, <laughs> I've I haven't watered that lawn in six weeks. And it's greener than it was any point of this summer when I was watering it every other well, day. Well, and that, that's the other thing
0: that's <laughs> frustrating, too, is you, you work all summer trying to get your lawn to recover from the transition from ryegrass. And finally, about the end of September, it's awesome looking. The Bermuda is just beautiful, and it's not growing that much. You don't even have to mow it. It's green. It's lush. doesn't grow that much. don't have to water it much. It's like, why go over Why go scalp it? I'm going to wait. And, you know, if, if people that are listening are worried about being too late to overseed, no, not at all. I mean, you can you could technically do it all winter. It, once we get really cold, we start getting frosts in the morning or that cold, it can be pretty slow to germinate. But you can still get it to germinate. I'm not advocating you wait that long. If you're going to wait that long, you might as well just not do it. Just wait. But, um, I think actually early November, late, late October, early November is probably the best time to do it anymore. Because what happens invariably is people scalp their Bermuda and they plant the ryegrass. Well, the Bermuda doesn't stay dormant. It grows back, especially with all this rain. So yeah, that ryegrass came up great, but it's still warm enough the Bermuda is wanting to grow. So it continue, it grows back up and kind of mixes in with the ryegrass. Then what happens when we do get that first frost? All the Bermuda does go dormant, and you look at it and go, oh, yeah, I've got this whole bunch of brown stuff in my lawn." The other thing that we do is we really stress that Bermuda grass lawn by making it by cutting it short and then pu- introducing this competitor right in right on top of it that shades it out, crowds it out takes the nutrition away from it before it's wanting to go dormant. On the other end of that, when it comes time to transition, we've had this lawn that's been stressed out. Now it's trying to recover and come back and crowd this competitor out, and it struggles to do that. So I think that the too early overseeding in the fall contributes to our struggles with transition
1: late in the spring and early summer. So if you haven't done it, it's not too late, But and you mentioned all winter long, but what I notice is – it's hard to find if you wait too long.
0: Well, you might want to buy the seed. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. If you wait too long, I mean, you know, eventually they quit bringing it in, quit stocking it. Um, you can't. They don't carry ryegrass down here in the valley all winter, you know, through the end of the spring. They want to be out. So not a bad idea to go get the seed, have it on hand. And I always get a little extra because you're going to have spots that don't come up the way you want them to spots maybe or maybe something happens during the year the lawn you got a water break or a water thing you got to dig up it's kind of nice to have five or ten pounds of ryegrass seed you know keep it dry keep it out of the you know out of the moisture and if you don't ever use it use it next fall and keep ten pounds back out of that seed it doesn't go bad unless it gets wet
1: but uh, not a bad idea to have a few extra pounds around Let's get to our calls. We've got them lined up at one 767 4348 That's one triple eight. rosie for you, starting with Jack. Welcome to the program.
2: Hey, welcome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you taking my call. Um, I have a beautiful live oak tree in my front yard that provides wonderful shade, and I love the tree. The problem with it is it has these droppings, I guess, so now I've got probably close to 100 little mini trees growing underneath of it that are in my rocks and the grass as well. I'm trying to figure out how to get rid of those things without killing everything else around it.
0: Well, you can, you know, obviously you can pull them. Um, that That's probably your safest solution to that. Um, if they are seedlings, if you're getting them from acorns dropping off the oak tree and they're sprouting, you could kill them with... You know, just, just go up to each little individual one with a little roundup and just take a paintbrush and just dab it on each one of them, full strength. Um, if they're coming off the root system right at the base of the tree, off the trunk, you know, I wouldn't do that because then there's potential of damaging, you know, the main tree. But if you've just got seedlings coming up and you're very careful, you just take, I just take a, a bottle of full strength glyphosate, and a little, like a little hobby paintbrush, and just dab it on them. You can do it as a sponge, you can, use, you know, right, but any, in, you just don't want to go spraying. It doesn't, you're just wasting the product if you get it on the ground anyway. It doesn't really hurt that, anything, but just to be environmentally safe and to be careful and to not get it where you don't want to get it, just dab it on there, and
1: that should take care of
0: it.
3: Perfect. Thanks so much. I appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. We appreciate the call from Jack. We're going to go south to Donna. Talk about her agave. Welcome to the program. How may we help you?
2: Oh, good morning. I have a big problem. We have like a, a hundred agave, and the guys have been, you know, they've been out there trimming the leaves off the bottoms, and you know, just trimming. I'll make them look nice, but they get there's be these big, big old bugs in there. Mm-hmm. What can I use? Can can we? Can Bob and I spray them? Can we? What can we do? I mean, there's so many agaves and other bushes. I don't know if those bugs are in the other bushes and things around. You know.
0: Are you seeing the adult, the black beetle, or are you seeing the grubs? What What are you seeing when you?
2: This is a thing that's about two inches long. I mean, he's. It's a grandmother of them all. I'm telling you, and and it's big. Well, and then the, the little ones. Besides, they're they're bugs. They're they're
0: like a beetle.
2: Like a beetle. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Okay. You have the agave snout weevil, um, which is pretty common. And this is when we see the damage. This is when they've been, the larva has been feeding on those for a while. And, and you, you don't notice anything till one day your agave just kind of collapses or falls over. And you go over there and it's all rotted down in the inside and down on the, under the ground. And that's the damage that's been done by the by the larval form, the grub of that beetle. Um, you can use, you know, in some insecticide granules, just when you go to the nursery or garden store, check and see what it's registered for. But things like imidacloprid, um, which you might find is merit or grub control uh, by various uh, manufacturers, depends on what they call it, but something that's designed to kill grubs. Treat the, I would treat every agave in your yard because that's their main target. That's what they want to go after. So even if they're not feeding on those, you want to do those. Now, the ones that are really affected, I would probably just pull out, destroy the plant, dig up, get as many of those grubs that you can, get them in a plastic garbage bag and get them thrown away. Treat the area if you're going to replant an agave in that area.
1: You growing any vegetables this fall? I got a f- <clears throat> wow, got a
0: few going. Still got more to go. A lot of leafy stuff. Lot, lot of spinach and chard, and I've still got some some stuff kind of hung over from the summer. So I'm kind of slowly getting rid of that. But I've got some zucchini that's putting on zucchini. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna leave it for a while. But uh, yeah, I do all all raised now, all raised gardens. You know What I did, I went out and got uh horse troughs galvanized mm. horse troughs. Got it up, get them up off the ground. They work great, it's a little bit pricey going in, but uh, but man, they work really well and they're kind of attractive. I mean, it, you, you see it right out the living room window in the side yard, so I wanted something that was fairly attractive as well. I think they look good, but.
1: So just, you buy the horse trough, you cut out the bottom or drill holes. Well,
0: you can actually—they sell them now because so many people are using them for planters. They sell them without bottoms in them. Ah. That's not what I did. You know, I just took the plug out, the drain hole. Mm-hmm.
1: That's you know, enough drainage. That was
0: yeah, it works very well. I put and then I put about oh, I don't know three or four inches of rock, just just small like landscape rock. Mm-hmm across the bottom, put a, little, put a little something over the hole so the hole wouldn't get plugged up, like a screen mesh, like landscape fabric, put the rock in. Then I put some real coarse kind of soil and then potting soil above that, like a Mel's Mix type product.
1: And if you did it where they sold without the bottom, put a good couple layers of landscape fabric down. Correct. Because if there's any... Uh, Weeds, Bermuda grass is very opportunistic, right? And once you see it all the way up, it's t- <laughs> yeah, it, it's too late to do anything about yeah, it. And if it's it.
0: mixed in with your garden, it yeah, it's a problem. But yeah, if you put it on an area you think might have had any grass at one time at all, I'd do it anyway because it keeps also keeps the soil from just kind of mixing down into the soil below. I would think I'd still put a little base of rock gravel, put the
1: fabric down, put that on top of it and go from there and it's not too late to plant i know ideal you could you could have planted beginning of september and already been a couple weeks into your sprouts and your stock coming up but it doesn't mean it's too late the nice thing about the winter garden all the leafy greens you can plant
0: several times so you you could plant some harvest it, replant you know it's kind of nice not to have everything ready at the same time as well so if you have enough room you can stage things but we're just beginning that that season. So anything you eat the, the root of, the leaf of, the stem of,
1: is is probably okay to plant this time of year right in through probably February. Let's bring Teresa into the conversation and see how we can help her on this beautiful Saturday morning. Welcome to the program. I can hear she has the phone put down and had walked away. It sounded like a little time <laughs> delay on the radio, so We'll go back to her if you've got a question and like to jump on the line. It's one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight, Rosie. For you, text question came in, and this is something that I'm dealing with. Mosquitoes. Oh my After gosh! After all that rain, we had an explosion of mosquitoes yeah. at the Whitman plantation. Yeah, my, um, we are. We have them in the backyard. We
0: can't. You know, it's. <clears throat> you know obviously drying things out <clears throat> excuse me a lot of work. drying things out mo you know not letting the lawn get too long controlling weeds controlling any standing water if you've got dogs and you've got old dog dishes that are full of water sitting around or like I on the side yard I've got buckets I store things in where there's water sitting in those now you know dumping everything out trying to control any of that and then the, you know there are a number of products on the market you know that you can you can spray things with um, burn a lot of citronella candles on the patio <laughs>
1: <laughs> there the citronella is uh in in your sitting area it's funny how fast those things fly off the shelves, but it's not something that retailers are used to stocking here either right so that it's not like you you know, as soon as the first little hint comes, they vanish, and then you're back out there. Uh, what a lot of peop, uh, people do is garlic. Yeah. If, if you have a lot of garlic in your diet, there's something about that. There's a reason that uh, you don't well, have planting. a Cajun recipe that doesn't require at least two cloves of garlic. <laughs> yeah,
0: and there's a number of plants, other, other plants that will repel. I mean, you can actually buy a citronella plant. Um, basil is a fair repellent. A lavender. Um, repels them, which makes sense to me because I hate lavender, so (laughs) I think it stinks. So if I was a mosquito, I wouldn't like it either. So that's perfect.
1: And the great thing about Arizona, you wait a couple weeks, it's going to dry out, and they're all going to be gone. Yeah. Triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. If you'd like to talk to Jay Harper about anything, uh, to your landscape, gardening, irrigation. Teresa, welcome to the program. How may we help you?
2: Hi, thank you. Um, I live in North Phoenix, and on the north side of my house, the whole side of the north side, it's about a ten by twenty area. A year ago, April, when I had moved in, I planted some sod I got from. Home Depot. It was fine. I overseeded last fall with uh, with ryegrass. That was fine. This summer, the grass came back, but I do have a pug, so it was a little patchy. When I guess when she goes on the on the grass, um, but later in the summer, it just died. And half of the half of the day, it's total shade from my house. So I'm trying to figure out for a is that grass going to even come back? Because right now I have just tiny little bits of regular Bermuda, the grass just died off. I don't know if I should plant fescue to maybe help it come back next year for the regular grass, or should I just overseed with rye again, and is my grass not going to come back next year in the summer?
0: Yeah, I don't think your grass is coming back. I think what really happened is your Bermuda never really did come back, and and about midsummer, when the monsoons kicked in and the nighttime temperatures didn't cool off, What you had there was probably mostly ryegrass, and it finally died. Um, And it's shady, so it's going to hang on longer. The Bermuda's not going to do well because it's shady, so the ryegrass dominates it, and it stays alive all summer until we get, you know, warm temperatures at night. Um, So a couple of ideas for you. One would be I would go ahead and plant a ryegrass lawn and enjoy it and try and keep it alive probably as long as you can, you could supplement that with fescue next spring. I would I would do it earlier, March April. I wouldn't wait till May or June. Fescue doesn't like hot weather really either. It's more heat tolerant than than uh, ryegrasses. Um, but you'd want to probably you could actually sow it with the ryegrass and mix it in if you wanted to, um, or you could wait until like I said, spring and and do it then. Mix just throw it in with your ryegrass, but. Regardless of what you do, I think the the Bermuda grass. It just sounds like it's too shady,
1: and it's just not going to work.
2: All right, perfect. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. We appreciate the call. As we clear a line, that opens a line for you. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie, for you. Jackie, welcome to the program.
3: Good morning. Um, I have a question about an Ocotillo. We had one that was about, uh, I guess, ten to twelve years old and um every spring it would leaf out beautifully this last spring um, about a quarter of it the canes did not leaf out the rest of the plant did and then um i don't know what was happening can you tell me what would kill an ocotillo
0: hard to say um you know it could be just drought related do you water it at all
3: um if it's re- been really, really hot and dry this mm-hmm. past uh, uh, monsoon, we got a lot of rain. We got we got plenty of water. All we've got uh, six other Ocotillos that received the same amount of water. So I know they were doing yeah. fine.
0: Yeah, and if it's, it's going to say if it's not leafed out right now, it probably isn't gonna. I mean, the Ocotillos in the well, desert right hap- now are just beautiful.
3: What happened was when the la- the one of the last storms that we got. Um, we got up in the morning, and um, it it had completely sheared off at ground level. The roots didn't uproot. It just sheared off at ground level, and the whole thing just wound up collapsing.
0: Okay. Well, you know, it sounds like one of the things that could have caused that is if it originally was planted maybe too deep in the ground and and soil got up higher on the, the canes than it should have, it's possible that it could have rotted over time. And causing those canes to die, and then, like I said, when you got a strong wind, it just it just fell over. That that would be my best guess is that something like and it that would have
3: taken ten to twelve years for that to happen. It's
0: possible. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's possible. I, I don't. Change. I don't have yeah. another. I don't really have another good option uh, solution for you other than you know. Quite frankly, in in nature, some things just die, and it. Just caused a natural thing. Once it started dying, other tissue around it might have continued to uh, to rot or go away uh, or be damaged, and and that just kind of kept spreading. But it sounds to me perhaps like a like maybe it got rotted. Did you when it when it blew over? What did the wood look like when you picked up the canes where it was connected to the to the base of the root?
3: Um, they were dry. They just snapped. They were not green inside or anything.
0: Yeah. Was it kind of hollowed out on the inside? Was it, do you, do you even remember?
3: No. It, see- was, it was, you know, as, as I want to say, it was like wood on the inside, but yeah. it was just dried out. Yeah.
0: I, you know, I don't really know that I could tell you exactly
1: what happened. But... I could you, those seem to be a pretty hard plant to, uh, or one of the harder plants to really care and manage for. Well, once they're established, they're bulletproof. You know, you don't have
0: to do really anything to them. Um, trying to get new ones established, and that's part of just how they're marketed and sold. Yeah, you know, so a guy goes to probably Texas, digs them up, however long it takes to fill a truckload of them, dug up, puts them on a big flatbed truck, drives them across the desert, stops at various nurseries in town. They unload them. They just stack them up and sell them. Well... That still works in some cases. In fact, you see old ranches that have Okatia fences where they just break the canes off, stick them in the ground, and and they start growing. But I think the biggest problem is just the fact that they've been out of the soil. We've du- we've removed most of the root system, and uh, and they haven't been cared for the best, and they dehydrate, and they just don't. They aren't able to reestablish themselves.
1: A lot of those native plants too. They will seem to have a way to manage the water and you know they might die off a, a limb might die off Correct. and they put a new sprout on well no, that's
0: exactly that's exactly
1: right so under stress they survive by just shutting down i i need to have rosie come just with his chainsaw i've got two what we probably have i haven't done a count but there's a couple dozen native uh mesquites and palaverdes on the property that uh you know just have grown there and two of them I've, I've gone to cut down a couple times and I'm like, all right, this thing's finally dead. We get a rain like this and it explodes. <laughs> yeah. And it's a be- they're in a horrible spot though, and they need to get relocated. Before they
0: it. get any bigger. But every time
1: I'm right at the point, I'm like, all right, this thing can finally come out. We get this beautiful explosion of, of color and growth. I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> Have to call in a mercenary to come out with a chainsaw. Yeah. Let's see, we were getting to weeds, and uh, Gary beat us to it from Camp Verde. How can we help you this morning, sir?
3: Um, I have a half acre up in Camp Verde that gets nice. weeds two or three times a year. They grow about three foot tall, have big old red stems. They have seed pods, like a big, big tall seed pod on them, and they're about as big around as a finger. And I don't I'm it's desert it's mostly rock and sand but i can't get rid of these things other than chop them down every 6 months
0: well what's what, it's just it's just desert ground you're not trying to grow anything there or no okay
3: well I, I don't know whether to, you know i want to get rid of them if i have to
0: well i would use a pre- or... No i would use a pre-emergent herbicide in the in okay. the in the late winter or early spring and then again you know probably before the monsoons hit uh-huh. and you can sp- you can spray them there they come granularly they can be put on with a hand spreader they've got to be watered in to, okay. to be activated but um mm-hmm. so if you can you can either time it with the rain or then you're just gonna have to go out and run some sprinklers around and water it but uh about twice a year a pre-emergent application would likely take care of it
1: and Obviously, the pre-emergent is for the next cycle. Do you just let this cycle burn off?
0: Well, I would get in there and get those things out of there before the, you know, if they've probably already gone to seed. But as much as, as, much as you can remove them and keep as little seed from falling to the ground as you can will also help your effectiveness. Um, besides, they're just going to turn brown and burn up and, and, or, and be unsightly or be a, a fire hazard if you leave them there as well.
1: And what types of, uh, of, of weed killer and preemergent do we look for I, I know you've got a certain ingredient because it controls spurge, which will well, yeah, Once consume the, you.
0: the The preemergence that um, that controls spurge the best ha- contained dimension. If you can remember, if you're as old as me, the the rock <laughs> and roll group, the Fifth Dimension. So that, so dimension is the one that you want to probably find and it comes in you know several different brands but that can be put on with a like a handheld spreader or a walk behind spreader and spread on. it's a granular granular product got to water it in um, and that that should control most almost anything
1: now i know when we talk fertilizing lawns you're not a big weed and feed guy you like your weed killer here and then your. Uh, I just fertilizer. think at weed and there. feeds,
0: you're just paying for a lot of stuff that's not there.
1: <laughs> is there a uh, mix of weed killer and pre-emergent that exists, or is that two separate things? Well,
0: actually, you can um, find there are some companies that have marketed that uh, together, um, and or you can generally mix them yourselves together. Uh, Surfland, which is a liquid uh, pre-emergent that works, that works pretty darn well on most things can be mixed effectively with most uh, herbicides, liquid herbicides. So that's, again, that's probably the most economical thing to do is to just do it yourself. And the problem with weed and feeds, and there are actually fertilizers with pre-emergent mixed with them. If you can find those, that might not be a bad value, but if you looked at the active ingredient in most of those, the fertilizer side's okay. But the, the herbicide side, is there's so little active ingredient, and you're paying a lot of money for those. Really, you're better off feeding the lawn and then controlling the weeds as you need to, you know, with a, a herbicide or manually or however you want to control them. I'd like to be under the sea In an octopus's garden in the shade
1: To go to Dan's backyard, start off this segment, help him pick out a good shade tree. We were just talking about all the things we <laughs> talked about planting. He said we got to talk about trees and shrubs because it's a great time to plant, best time of the year. That's exactly what Dan's working on. Tell us about your, your landscape, Dan.
2: Hi, guys, am I on? Yes, sir. Well, um, shade tree, uh, either one, some variety of mesquite. Or I really, really want a red push pastiche, mm-hmm. if that's how you pronounce it. But, and I was going to buy the largest one you could possibly get, I, and I have the room to grow it. It's just I want the one that's going to grow the fastest because I, I have a west-facing house, and mm-hmm. I, I want it to grow as fast as possible.
0: Well, red push, okay. and it's pistache typically. Um, okay. they're, they're not the fastest grower in the world, um, Okay. but it is one heck of a tree.
2: You know, I have a guy down the street that has one and it's it's huge and it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, they're not they're not as slow as a lot of people want to make them out to be necessarily, but a lot of times our better, stronger, more durable trees are a little slower growing. A lot of the times the reason that Palo Verdes and mesquites break and blow over and have the problems they have is they grow too fast. Or we, you know, we we stimulate them to grow too fast, we water them too much, we push them. Um so I'd still not talk you out of a pistache. You just maybe you want to start a little bigger than, than, than uh, you would with uh, some other type of tree. But it's, it's a heck of a tree. Live oak, same way. Not, not terribly slow, not the fastest. Great, sturdy tree. Uh, I love them. Chinese elm. Um, those, those are probably my three favorites
1: right there. Chinese elm, red push pistache, and live oaks. And the live oak's evergreen. The red push is deciduous. Semide- is the Yeah, and the the elm is the semi-deciduous as well. Yes. So it's just a matter then at that point of deciding, do you want winter shade as well, or do you want that to open up for a little warmth in the... Correct. ...the cooler, I won't say cold in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Never know, but yeah. <laughs> the cooler months. Right. As we're talking through planting those trees, how do you get started on on trees and shrubs.
0: Well, right now the reason this is such a great time to plant is that you know the soil is is still relatively warm and the air is cooling and the days are getting shorter. So you can you can plant a plant and the roots are going to continue to grow because the it's almost like an incubator, the soil's warm, but you won't get a lot of stress on the foliage because it's not hot, they're not transpiring so much. So you get this condition where the the plant is rooting and establishing itself without putting on a lot of growth, uh, on the, a lot of new foliage, a lot of things. It, it's cooler. You're not having to water them as much. It's just a lot easier to transplant instead of it when it's 100 degrees out and you're having to water them twice a day or every day, and you miss one, and the plant wilts and stresses and gets some sunburn on it, and kind of goes backwards a little bit on you this time of year. You won't. And then what'll happen is as it continues to cool the plant will even slow down or stop rooting. The soil will will be cool enough. And it'll look like the plant's just sitting there all winter. And come spring, instead of us trying to plant a new plant then, we've got a plant that's already rooted and established, at least underground. And the, the new growth just explodes. So it's, it's virtually like gaining a whole year by planting three or four months ahead of time. When
1: we're Digging that hole, how far past the, you know, he's talking, Dan was talking about the biggest one he can. Well, I he don't can know get if a, he realizes <laughs> how big
0: he can actually buy one if he wants to, but, you know, that's fine. So what, what you, wider is better and wider, you know, I don't know that you could go too wide. You certainly want to go wide enough that you can get the, the container in the ground and then get the container off. You know, if the hole's too tight, you're not going to be able to get the, the box off or, or the container that it's in, but you certainly don't want to go any deeper and maybe not even quite as deep. It's better for the plant to be a little shallower so that you have you have kind of a crown, so to speak, and certainly where the, what we call the root flare or where the trunk comes down and then there should be a little bit of a flare out where it meets the soil. That needs to be your finished grade, Okay. So that needs to stay up at least finished or a little higher. I like it to be a little higher because invariably soil settles or sinks a little bit. Then it doesn't, you know, soil around it doesn't cave in on it.
1: And that gives you a good area to put a couple inches of mulch. Then too. you
0: can mulch, yes. If you get it a little higher, then you can, you can mulch around it, which I think is critical, especially during the summer months. Uh, don't put the landscape rock right up against the trunk of the tree. Hold it back. Put some bark mulch, shredded bark, something organic around it. Um, you know, even, uh, you know, shameless plug, but Hickman's compost around it. Uh, something to, to help cool the roots, hold moisture. It'll control weeds. I think John Eisenhower was talking about mulching and composting last week on the show. And it, it does exactly all of that. So controls weeds, stabilizes the moisture, evens the moisture out, and reduces the stress that you have sometimes in the summer with the plant getting overheated or transpiring and losing too much moisture
1: and too quickly. And you're talking about this is the time to save water. It takes a lot less water to get it established. That's right. Or if you planted it in the spring and it's going into the heat season, you're going to need all this additional water you're not watering only to relentlessly. <laughs> establish That's it, but help it survive. That's correct. A better established tree isn't going to require as much water to keep it living through the summer as something you just planted. Going into that, not to say we can't do it, not to say it doesn't happen. And we there's people and professionals, you know, landscape crews, construction, building. They
0: have to plant when they have to plant, <laughs> you know. But if you have your choice and you're a homeowner and you're thinking about planting some stuff coming up, and you can do it, the next couple months are the best
1: they are the best and it's a beautiful time to be out there anyway Uh, absolutely this is what brings us to arizona this is why i I would (laughs)
0: certainly rather be digging holes from now through february as opposed to march april may and june when you're just sweating like a dog out there trying to get holes dug so you know i always tell people if if
1: it's comfortable for you the plants are going to love it (laughs) very true very true and you're a big proponent of not nece- of starting with a smaller tree as opposed to trying to put in a ginormous one.
0: Well, if you can afford it, heck yeah, do it. But, uh, you know, push comes to shove, if bu- especially if budget. Things grow a lot faster once you get them in the ground than they grow in the nursery in those containers. So sometimes it's, you know, uh, kind of false economy to think you got to start with something really big.